Oh, again? Like I'm allowed to do it again? Yeah. Was I ever banned from doing it? No. I feel like I was. You took a break. <laughs> we took a brief break. Well, we're back. Yeah. Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Brain Candy Podcast. It's the best kind of podcast because it's my kind of podcast and it's your kind of podcast and it's our kind of podcast. So it's time for the podcast. So let's start the podcast right now. Good. I can't remember. I can't even believe I remembered all the words. Right. Because I forgot them when we did our trivia or our karaoke night. Yes. People were like, how does the song go? And I was like, crap, I don't remember. Like on the spot, if I'm not wearing the headphones, the mic is in front of me. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden I forget. Right, but they somebody got it right. Yes, was that they did. Whitney? I think maybe got it right. Maybe shout out to Whitney if that was you. Welcome everyone. It's episode two forty four. Yep, we had such a blast at our karaoke event. Oh my event. god, it was so much fun. It was really nice. You know what? I think I based on what I gathered from this karaoke event, I feel like the next one should just be strictly Disney songs. Oh, because that was my favorite part. I oh. didn't know how much I loved singing Disney songs. With, what did you sing? I didn't know. I didn't oh, see we that sang part. the. We started with uh, a whole new world with mm-hmm. Little Mermaid. And, oh, you know what? Just we just did two Little Mer- uh, uh, Little Mermaid songs, and then uh, I sang, uh, uh, we, oh, with Sammy. What did we sing? <laughs> with Sammy. Um. What's the one under the sea? That's oh, it. classic! Classic. Oh, that's a good choice. Yeah, and then I just liked that I got to under the sea. Yeah, and you get to do it like that. I must fun. have been mingling at that time. You definitely were. I was distracted because yep. mm-hmm. that was nice about it that there was time for singing yeah. and time for talking. My other favorite were the people who came to play very to play darts and who were very serious about their dart game. <laughs> they weren't brainiacs. They were not brainiacs. And they they were, just happened to be at this, the uh-huh. wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, the kind of people who bring their own set of darts in a case that they open up and you can imagine how frustrated they were with our you know shenanigans this is gonna sound stupid but i never thought anyone had their own set of darts that they traveled with i put it in the same category as those who own a bowling ball yeah that i knew about though okay but i've never seen darts out in the wild yeah Uh unless it belonged to the bar yeah you You know know what never seen that either did they have like a kit yeah it was like it almost looked like an insulin kit like with the zippered pouch (laughs) where you like open it up and it's flapped and kind of like a soft but hard case (laughs) i think everybody knows what i'm talking about yes it's like well mm -hmm. i bet they won't be listening to our show probably not so so (laughs) we had a great time though thank you to all who came out and i really do hope that we can have other meetups uh in different areas of the country yes out and about. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so let I, we have lots to discuss. You lots? said you went down a weird rabbit hole. Oh, is that man. what it is, or wormhole? What is it? Rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can use either. Really, wormholes. I guess says that you're going to go somewhere. I don't know. Whatever. Time travel. <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? Whatever. Anyway, what happened? Um, so my husband was like, I don't know how he follows a lot of tattoo websites. Yeah, and tattoo Instagram. or Instagram tattoo yeah. things. So sometimes on the discovery section. He gets some weird body modification pictures. Yeah. So he clicked on one and all I hear from the couch is, oh my God. Okay. And I'm like, okay, what is happening? And apparently Mm -hmm. there's a whole world that I didn't know about of men who are cisgendered men Mm. who are into castration Mm. and they call it nullification of the genitals Mm -hmm. and they this one individual i read a gawker uh article where they interviewed this guy 
and he had the whole thing removed. Whole thing? Yep. Can you be more specific? The penis. He had his penis removed. Yes. It is called a penectomy. <laughs> yes. Stop it. I'm not. He kidding. had a penectomy. Yes. And his um, and desire he, was born out of a. He did not. Well, this is what they say: is they don't identify with those body parts. Okay. And I wanted to see what you thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your thought? Well, it reminds me of people who say that they're um, able, disabled. Right. What's the amputees. Transabled. Transabled, right. And they get in wheelchairs even yeah. though they they can walk and yeah. stuff. Yeah. However, this is a far more severe. Yes version because they're actually removing yeah wait there were amputees yeah as you said some people like wanted to have a doctor mm-hmm. remove their leg because mm-hmm. they didn't want it yes. anymore okay so these are people that want that but with their wiener uh-huh and a- apparently there's a very like a-, a larger community than you would think of this and even oh my god i'm ready uh, trigger warning oh my god there was a section when they interviewed him they said some people have a fascination with eating this. Have you ever partaken in that? Oh, wow. And the guy said, yes. Eating? The testicles. Why? I don't Sarah. know. And he said there's like in this community, there are people who are like the ones who, who will do these free medical procedures, but their only thing is they'll keep, they have to keep the... <gasps> and then they talked what? about how some of them keep them in jars. One man even put it in plastic and it has it as an ornament. I'm not kidding. What kind of plastic? Like encased in some sort, maybe resin, maybe something like that, so he could like preserve oh, it. I was thinking like plastic wrap. Oh, I was like, yeah. I don't think that's going to keep. Yeah, that's, that's not going to keep. So Had it preserved in resin or yes, something yes. and uses it as a holiday ornament? I, they, they weren't specific about how. Just an ornamental testicle. My mind goes to more Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> but What do you think of it? it I can't. Makes so here was the argument. So there was a doctor named Dr. Curtis Crane who apparently is the expert. It's I, No joke said this in the article that he's a penis expert, which I was like, mm, okay. Same. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so... He has been doing a lot of, he started with transgender surgeries and he's apparently been doing, you know, not a lot of these surgeries, but some of these surgeries and says, his argument is that we masculinize females without making them go through a hormone change process. There are women who come in and say, I really don't want my boobs and they give them top surgery and they don't have any of the same hormonal requirements where you have to be living with male hormones for a while. But if you're a man and you come in and you say, I don't want my testicles anymore. They don't have that same like feminization of the man without the introduction of hormones. Wow. And that that was the only thing that was like, okay, well that's interesting. We don't allow the feminization of a male, but we allow the masculinization. Well, my argument was, and the interesting thing is that the people who have had this surgery that he's done, they have to follow the same uh, uh, requirements. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's there's a it's named after another doctor. But it's a re- uh, requirements for uh, gender. What are they called? Not reassignment surgery. G- gender alignment surgery. What's so people that? people who are trans who will go through the procedure to have their 
penises removed. Or, Why don't we call it reassignment? Because that would that say that you're unfair. reassigning a gender through that, but it's really assigning We're, the gender. So that we've changed the terminology. Yeah, okay. to be now it's gender alignment. It's a gender alignment. So you're aligning your physical gender with what your mind says. So they've changed that name, but they're still following these same requirements, which says that you have to have two letters from psychiatrists before you go through this process. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what the heck kind of... Because I can trace back in this interview with this guy, he said that this all stemmed from an interaction he had in the gym, in the locker room when he was in junior high, where the older boys, he like had bigger testicles and the older boys grabbed him and said, how come you have man testicles, but a boy body and it was really shaming for him. And so you can trace back an actual moment that that started. And I'm going, what kind of psychiatrist wouldn't say that that's the reason? Well, maybe the psychiatrist did, but then this guy said, this is the cure and I'm not going <sighs> to, it's so bizarre to me. Well, is in that case, did he have just the balls removed? Nope. He's the one who got everything. And so now he pees into a bag. He uses the restroom. He sits down when he pees. Or he uses a funnel. He talked about that. They created a pee hole? Like- yes, they rerouted the urethra. <laughs> I read all about, I am well versed in what this man has been through now. Right? Oh my God. I know. God. So I was like, well, I got to talk about this, but you know. I mean, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, but I got to talk about how much I love beta brand pants. <laughs> and uh, there's Which really he would no- great in now. <laughs> There's really no good way to segue into that. However, that really isn't. I set you up for nothing but failure with that one. That's okay though, because I really do love my beta brand pants. Mm -hmm. I have two pairs now. I have the pinstripe ones that are black. Dude, I love those on you. They're so flattering and so comfy. And then I got um, silver. I guess you'd call them sparkly, but they're just sort of silver dress pant yoga pants. And they are so great if you have to go to a meeting or you work like a normal person in an Mm, office. Yeah. And the fabric is so soft, Mm -hmm. but they look chic. Yes. That's what I like about them is that like you look professional and Mm -hmm. chic, but you're wearing basically yoga pants. Yeah. And they're super comfy and super stretchy in all the right places. Right. And they make me look like 10 feet tall somehow, (laughs) which I want. Um, They just feel really good. And I encourage people that have to go to work and get you know, look decent every day, but don't want to feel uncomfortable to try them. Um, there's a thread in Brain Candy Crush about like people are like, did I, did you try them? Like that, oh, cool. what do you guys think? And yeah. everyone's saying, try oh, good. them. Um, and that's why I started wearing them because I wanted to look nice, but I didn't want to be uncomfortable in meetings and stuff. Uh, so visit betabrand.com and use our code brain candy to get 20% off yours. Millions of women agree that they're, they're the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. That's betabrand.com, B-E-T-A-B-R-A-N-D.com. Use our code brain candy and get 20% off your dress pant yoga pants, which are Come gorgeous. On. If we haven't already sold you by the name. Yeah. <laughs> dress pant yoga pants. I post pictures. Everyone sees how, how cute they are on Instagram. Yeah. But anyway, um... So the thing about this story that you're telling me yes. is that, and maybe this sounds unfair, but to me, it's like, a, did you see any that were people of color? Oh my God, no. Because it okay. feels like... Okay, what is that about? I feel like it's when you have no problems. Dude, Susie, that... How did you point out this extra... How did that? But, but, 
it just seems like that to me that people in a situation where they have a lot of stress and stuff and, and, and oppression aren't in a position to be thinking like, I could really get rid of my wiener right now. This is so bizarre. And that's what it feels like to me. But people that are going through it would probably say that's ridiculous. I mean, I am not ready to go down the path of looking up this online to really take a poll of the crowd. Right, but, like what are the demos? Right, I, on this I mean, trend. because like I, but apparently there's a whole community about. Do the for people it. that you read about mm-hmm. acknowledge that this is um, could be classified as maybe like a mentally ill situation, or do they just say this like, guy does? Okay, in this article, he says that it would take a psychiatrist because the person asking questions said something along the lines of like, you know how how people think about how it came to be. And mm-hmm. he said you would have to talk to a psychiatrist about that because it's different for everybody. So it kind of addresses that there could be... it. I mean, to me, it almost fits in line with body dysmorphia. Yeah, that's exactly right. you would still... I would... I think there are situations where people feel like, I think something needs to be gone or changed. Yeah. They get fixated on that being it. Uh-huh. Then it's gone, but that feeling doesn't go away. Well, so then it's like, maybe people, I'll just take off more parts. The people that did it, did it cure the problem? Well, did they this feel guy great? says he, it did for him. He feels great he now. He feels great. Wow, that and is he strange. Says he, and he says that he has intimate relationships with men that are so into it. They make a vagina for that person or what? No, he has face-to-face anal sex with... Oh, anal. He's gay. So he's gay. Okay. And he most and most of the men are gay. Interesting. Yes. Okay, I didn't so put that together. Then he get they they have face to face because nothing get none of the parts get in the way, and he can still ejaculate. What? It's just a pool that is on. Yes, it just doesn't come out. He said it doesn't come out like a rail gun, like shooting out. It's just kind of a slow drip. Uh huh. Get out of town. Uh huh. I okay. knew you'd be into this. That is beyond. <laughs> right. Well, and he says that they, there's a straight male that he that he has sex with who is is. What do you mean by that? That <laughs> the man says that he's straight, but okay. he enjoys having sex because, like, it's less you know like it's exhausting. Yeah, it really is. So you know he can like wrap his head around it a little. But really, I think this man is sure, just struggling sure. with his own he's sexuality. On a journey. Right, he's on his own oh journey. My- God, so, Sarah, yeah, it's you're really, blowing my mind. Oof, oof. There's, it was a whole bunch of stuff where every time, every sentence I read, I was just like, okay. So most of the time, this is in the gay community. Yes. All right. There's something to that then. Mm. All right, because then they do have problems. It's not just, when you said cisgendered, I just figured straight, straight also. Right. But cisgendered is really just right. referring to just being gender. in line with the gender that you were born with. Right. I just. Not uh, to be confused with, so I specified because I didn't want people to be confused with these are trans men who, you know, are. What do you are, mean by trans that? Trans women, I should say. People who are looking to have their penis cut off because. No, they're they not. Is what you're are, saying. They right. are not that. They're not that. Correct. Correct. Okay. Got, got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So, so there's that little, little so nugget for you. Similarly, yeah. I was introduced to a subculture that. I had not been familiarized with previously. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. Um, my friend Chris texted me and was like, you have to watch a documentary called Tickled. Have you heard of it? Are these the people who have tickle fetishes? Well, no. Oh. These are people who participate in 
competitive endurance tickling. Oh my God. Like you have to try as long as you can to not laugh? <laughs> no, you can laugh, but you have to tolerate it for as long as possible. Oh, that's like my worst nightmare. And they're tied down and stuff. Oh, this is a fetish. Okay, okay. So he was like, you have to watch this this film. Well, now I want to see it. Well, you friggin' have to. Okay. I am still reeling from oh it. Oh, my God. This because is my new favorite episode. There's this guy that's a journalist who does um, kind of like human interest stories, but they're often like with curiosities in New Zealand. And he came across one of these videos of these guys doing competitive endurance tickling, and they're in like Adidas you know, tracksuits, um, shorts and t-shirts. Got it. Got it. Almost like a challenge. Yeah. And they're solid colors and they look like they're really in on a team or something. And so he's like, well, this is my next story. I want to do a story on this. And then from that point of the movie, which is like five minutes in throughout, it gets weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. Where can I find this documentary? I, I rented it on YouTube for $3. Okay. It's worth my $3? Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. I think it's also available maybe on Showtime or something. But anyway, and I don't want to spoil it because you guys need to watch it. But in the end, like he asked for an interview Mm -hmm. with these people and he got an an email back saying like, we've Googled you and you're a homosexual and this is not... Wait a second. <laughs> the ticklers said that the news... Yeah, they were like, you're gay and this is a heterosexual competitive oh. sport and we don't want to be associated with you. And then it got worse and they started calling him the F word. And Oh, you've got... It got so real that weird. So a little bit of projection, if I've ever heard of any. I mean, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Right, but that's the tip of the iceberg because from that point on, it's like if you, you guys start can to see find my out, expression, I'm just like dumbfounded. You find out who's actually behind these videos, <gasps> what, how, who's funding them, because the people that agree to be in these tickling com- competitions are doing it because they're offered like fifteen hundred bucks for you okay. know one day. This is absolute. Okay, I have to know. Please tell us right now who's behind it. Okay, well, there's this guy. It's got to be a gay male. There's of course. This guy. And they're all, oh my God. And, and he's in, I, this is insane to me. I'm just like. I love that you haven't even seen it and you're like this. But there's this guy who's, who is like obsessed with tickling and is also very wealthy. Yep. You know what this is reminding me of is that movie Foxcatcher with the wrestlers. Oh, right. And that we talked about. What the actual F? But the real thing is, like, let's say you're a real rich closeted gay guy and you're into the tickling thing, then you can get these videos made no problem. Right. But there's also a sadistic thing where once these guys feel like they've done enough videos and they don't really want to do it anymore, then the guy that's in charge of it um, gets angry and puts them all on the internet and ruins their life because who wants their family to see that they're participating in these what weird tickle the fuck videos? Is this? And that's why he's like blackmailing. Them. Yeah, he wants. This people- doesn't even sound legal in a way. It's not. He went to jail. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I'm glad the law is on the same side as me. Yeah. Oh but, my god, this is so weird. And Sus. then, 
So I finished the movie and I'm just blown away. And the last scene of the movie is really what sealed the deal because that's the moment you realize what's behind all this, why this guy is doing it, why he's like um, ruining people's lives. And you can see what happened. It's kind of like the jinx where yeah. you're like, oh, like I see how you uh-huh. got to where you were. Like how he's, remember on the jinx, his mom yep. died or something. Yep, killed herself and he watched it through the it's window. It's like that where like you oh can see God. I'm getting chills. Yeah. So I'm finished with the movie and I'm about to text my friend to be like, oh my God, what have you made me watch? Yeah. And then I was like, I should see like what happened because I realized it was made like two years ago. And what happened after the film is even crazier and- the guy showed up at one of the premieres and the tickle funder, the tickle vogel, the tickle, mogul. and basically took these guys to task and called them liars oh and all this stuff. Oh my, it's crazy! This is fantastic. You have this to has watch all it. of my favorite things a documentary <laughs> film ha- would have. Right, it's man, oh man, and it's really stuck with me. Jeez, that's bizarre. You know what? This is going to be a very themed episode then. I know, because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, this is Lifestyles of the Weird and Wacky, for yeah, sure. because I got another one. Well, what's also going to help things stick with me, though, yeah. is getting my memories digitized. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? If you've got some family footage of anybody being tickled... <laughs> we can digitize it. Yes, we can. Well, we can't, but Legacy Box can. Um, if you have those you know, reels or VHS tapes or whatever, collecting dust because you never can watch them. You don't have the equipment to watch your memories anymore or you have all these pictures that, you know, only you have hard copies of. They can take them and digitize them, put them on a thumb drive for you, and that way you guys can have them and enjoy them and watch these movies, especially like your wedding video for Pete's sake. Um, And it's just a great way to keep things that are special to you without them taking up half your house. And there's never a better time to digitally preserve your old home movies, film reels, photos. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering our listeners a huge exclusive discount. Go to LegacyBox.com slash candy to get 40% off your first order. With this exclusive deal, Legacy Box starts at just 45 bucks, or save up to $200 on the largest Legacy Box kit. Go to LegacyBox.com slash candy and save 40% today. Start with just a few tapes or digitize your entire collection. Visit LegacyBox.com slash candy. Enter our code BRAINCANDY and save 40% on your Legacy Box today. Get started preserving your past. You have to watch the film. I'm going to. This is going to go... Because then we got to talk about it. I mean, I got to know. Yeah, and I know our listeners will be into it because, like you said, it's a lot of different things that are interesting to us as a group of people. Wow. Anyway, so thanks to Chris and Albert for telling me about it. Yeah. They were like... You met them, actually, the guys that... Oh, oh, yeah. the chocolate company. Oh, my gosh. They're so nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And have great taste in documentaries, <laughs> evidently. Yes. yes. Yeah. So I was like, this is like Lifestyles of the Weird and Wacky, and we haven't done one of those in a while. Yeah. I'll have to see like on my list here if I have like other weird, and I'm sure I do. Yeah. I read an article on uh, BuzzFeed that was titled, I Found God in Kink, and it was all about how women who are in the BDSM community in New York, they were talking about the percentage of their clients who are Hasidic Jews. What? Give me an estimate of what you think a percentage of... Of the BDSM community is Hasidic Jews? Like this, you know, one woman 
who works in New York City as a BDSM dominatrix. Yeah. She what, said like this, this is much. This percentage of well, my clients are. 20? 75%. Okay, what's with that? I know. What Sue, is with I have it? To ask, I was going to ask you because I'm like, what is it? Well, tell me more about what goes on and then I'll try to analyze it. So it's the, they're very conservative, obviously, Hasidic Jews <laughs> who want to involve religion, aspects of their religion in the BDSM and in the kink by doing things like dressing up in, um, uh, you know, garments that are worn for religious services. Um, one of the things she described was almost like a, uh, what are they called? Mitzvah, mitzvah bath. Yeah. Uh, but it turned into sort of like a wet t-shirt contest. Oh my and then God. sometimes like sacred, uh, there's something that they use. It's like a box that's wrapped that the Torah is wrapped in or something like that. And they want to be binded in that stuff. Okay. And then the, one, the, one of the man, men who was interviewed for this said that, he is no longer connected to his religion and he's just wearing, he's, he's doing everything like he's more connected to this kink community and this BDSM community. And he's really just like going through the motions and he, he's doing all that. But then, I mean, they're married, they're children, the whole thing. And apparently so it's much larger than. I'm confused though about how they reconcile. Are they doing this with a, like a hooker? Yeah. Like well, a, how does a, that match up? They're I, not allowed to do that. I, of of course they're not. Well, so I'm confused because... It says, while Moshe spoke, and they changed his name, spoke candidly about they his life... They changed it to Moshe? Yeah, I mean, because it's kind of like... Okay. It couldn't be Jim. Um, <laughs> then we wouldn't believe it. Uh, he always emphasized the fact that he is one man who is still grappling to understand his own psyche and is not a representative for a larger sect or for anyone else's desire. He's not alone, however as someone in the intersection of New York's dominatrices and the city's most devout Jewish communities. So it's basically saying, like, there's a, this is going on. I don't get why they can't do it with <sighs> their wives, though. Well, that, that I think is the... It says if someone's always been taught that BDSM is wrong, that it's deviant, and that it's not holy, that's likely to make them feel especially conflicted. And so they turn to this service. I don't know why it's especially something about, to me, it's, it says something about the repression of things causes it to come out in other areas, even stronger. I can, I see what you're saying and I see how, when, you know, we talk about how, if it fires together, it wires together and things like that. I can see how that would happen with religion Uh and how, you know, when you hit puberty, that's you know when what? a lot of like religious I was, rituals Oh my are. God, that is it. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, that, okay. What? I think you're onto something. Okay, so you that think- That this lines up with the time in their life when they're coming into their, like feeling sexual awakening feelings at, you know, they're coming into puberty. Yeah. And they're also at the same time going through religious- Like bar mitzvah. Yes. Okay. That something- about their first thoughts of sexual experience are happening simultaneously to when... Important religious events. I wonder if this is in other cultures that have... Like, if that age is... I should ask my friend Kelsey because This is she, really interesting. She's a PhD in sociology, but her specialization is in the sex lives of evangelicals. But, okay. I'm, I mean, she knows about this sex is and religion, yeah. period. 
So I should, she's probably, I'm surprised she wasn't in, interviewed in that article, but. There's a woman whose name is Tally Rosebaum, and she's the uh, academic advisor and therapist for the Center of Jewish Intimacy. Oh, and wow. she, uh, they What'd interviewed. What did she say? She said she's not familiar with that. Okay, <laughs> my God. Her quote was, I'm personally surprised by how commonly you and your colleagues see this. Oh my God. She said, she told me more shame about it and certainly more tendency to pathologize it. So there's less openness and exposure and discussion of expectations. So, well, it's weird because in Kelsey's research, she talks about how, um, evangelicals have sim- similar restrictions on yeah, sex, yeah, of yeah. course, but within marriages, anything goes. Well, that's what they said is that, that right. within the, that. The Jewish community even encourages that kind of like sexual exploration between husband and wife. And I think it has, there's even an, oh my God, this was so weird that there's not weird, but whatever. There's an entire (laughs) genre of porn dedicated to this called from erotica. Why? That, I don't know. Why is it called from? Because that means, I guess it translates to orthodox, meaning orthodox. I thought you meant F-R-O-M. Oh, F-R-U-M. Okay. From erotica. (laughs) from i was like what do you say i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right but okay yeah wow yeah well i really think they should probably just do that with their wives then if that's what they're into oh my god it also said the emergence of the internet was a reason why this like people are seeing more of this now and i don't know they didn't really it's one of those things in articles where they said it but they didn't freaking explain why right or it just says and you're just supposed to nod like oh okay yeah it may just like yeah Okay, that's it. It's just the internet came to be, and now we see more of this. <laughs> okay, but I'm going to need a little more detail I there. can see why there'd be more viewing of the videos, because they can access them easily, but or I Or maybe a, they're not able to, like, they're not supposed... I don't know. It's just... I'm... That's... This is yeah. all very surprising And she said she me. found most of her clients through the back pages in Craigslist, but then there was that law that was passed that said you can't have back pages of craigslist anymore and she said it's so popular that she's she's certain that if she were to just go out on the streets of brooklyn dressed in leather and handing out flyers she would get enough clients no yeah okay so what all right well that's that is news to me yeah so i just thought i'd uh you know drop that one on you too oh my god there's a lot of uh hasidic jews in the bdsm community I, I, I'm going to see Like, it's a problem when it's something that I do for my work. Cause then I'm like stuck in this yeah. thing. We need to move on. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, that is bonky. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I'll have to look into it. Yeah. Good night, Irene. Good night. Um, okay. There was this guy, this is a quick tale. Mm-hmm. He was out at a bar and he left his phone on the, table for just a second and then came back and the phone was still there i guess and then he went home and got a message from a woman who was like you have to pay me x amount of money or i'm gonna tell your wife you're cheating on her and he wasn't cheating Mm -hmm. on her so he was like what the heck and so she's like you know i had your phone and i'll send her the pictures that i took or oh, something. like she took the phone, took pictures, I guess. and then held it ransom for... Yeah. Ooh. Weird, right? Okay. Maybe she texted herself from that phone yes, or something. Yes, probably did. And so he had to set up like a whole um, extortion thing with the police to catch her. And she admitted that she did it. And then she said that she was just um, trying to get money because her loved one was ill. Uh-huh. And you know one of those stories? Yeah. 
And I was just like, <sighs> it's not, this story isn't shocking in the sense that like, okay, it's a crime. They needed money, whatever. But like, I don't know. It just made me think like, why doesn't it happen more? Because we all have um, our phones. Like- dude, it does. Oh, what? When we did that episode about when that caller called you. Yeah. My friend Sarah texted me and she's like, oh my God, I have to tell you the story that really happened to a friend of mine. Yeah. Like a dad from Dana Point who has a daughter who's like our age. Somebody called him, said that he had oh. held, that the daughter was being held for ransom. No way. And not only that, this guy emptied out every one of his bank accounts, put money. The, these people had him driving all over the city, putting money in different, no. like for, for real, emptied out. And like they're finally, oh, and then they said that like we are tracking, we have tracers on your phone yeah. if you try to call your daughter or anything. So finally, like he went missing for like 48 hours and because he was on this no like way. for real. Like Sarah said, if we wanted to get the girl whose dad actually did this on the show, that she would be a guest. And she'd totally tell us this and whole so story. At that time, she was just living her life. She living didn't her even life. Know. But then dad went missing. And so they were like, oh my God, this is so unlike him. This is not something he does. They called the yeah. police. The police even stopped him, pulled him over. And we're like, is everything okay, sir? And he lied to the police and said, yes, everything's fine. Because he was scared. The police had to stop him twice. So it's one of those where he was like speeding, got pulled over. The pol- you know, he, you know, he's basically got like this gun to his head via yeah. the phone. Yeah. And he had to like lie to the police. Wow. And it's a crazy story. And then finally, like, she finds the dad and she's like, dad, I'm okay. And he doesn't even believe oh, her. It's oh. the saddest thing. And like... Totally drained their bank accounts. I don't even know what happened. So, dude. <laughs> I guess you one-upped me on that story. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I was no, just no. saying that, like, this is, like, a real freaking thing that I think, you're right, does happen more often. And the police said that this is a chain. Like, this is, they can't catch these people. And wow. it, it's happening more often than you think, especially with older people. Well, I mean, that is not a smart thing to do with your money. But no. what is a smart thing to do is to use the Robinhood app, which I just became... Uh, familiarized with, and I'm so excited about it. I was just telling Sarah. You've been squawking about this all morning. I know because it's fun. Um, I'm kind of intimidated by like investments and things like yeah, that. Like I don't yeah, know what yeah. that's all about. <laughs> so I downloaded this app, and it was super simple. And it lets me buy stocks in whatever I want. Oh, Robin Hood. Yes. Steal from it. the rich, give to the poor. I get it. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's an investing app. Lets you buy and sell stocks, options, all this stuff, commission-free. And they want to make it so you like can have financial services for everyone, not just wealthy people. Oh, which is nice? so cool. Yeah. And it's not intimidating. Like I said, it's super simple and clear. You just like put your info in. And then it's like, what are your interests? And like, what type of stuff are you into? And then it'll say if you're, you know, if you like makeup, you might want to invest in these things. Cool. It's so easy. And it gives, Robinhood is giving our listeners a free stock. That's awesome. Like Apple, Ford, or Sprint. Oh my God, like you could pick one and then however well it does, that you get it. Yes. They want to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at braincandy.robinhood.com. That's braincandy.robinhood.com. And, you know, just see what it's like. Because for me, it was like, oh, this is so easy and not scary and weird. 
and anybody can do it, even if you have 20 bucks. Yeah, so man. it's really cool. It's um, braincandy.robinhood.com, and you can get that free stock. Check that out. Um, that thing you just said, though, about how the police pulled him over, mm-hmm. and then he was like, no. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the, this a crime that was committed in New England where these people were burglarized by these guys, and there were two young daughters and two parents in the house, and they sent the mom out to go to the bank to get money. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think... Okay, so she had to get all this money out. And then there's, like, um, footage of it, mm-hmm. you know, the surveillance. And everybody now... Because now everybody died but the dad. <gasps> they killed everybody. Oh. Even after she got the money out. Oh. And so when you watch the footage, all you can think of is why yeah. doesn't she, like... Do something. Because I'm sure if you just look the right way, the, yeah. the teller would yeah. be like, okay. 100%. Dude. It's scary. Yeah. And did you ever see that movie Panic Room with Jodie oh, Foster? Yeah, that's a good movie. And the cop comes to the house. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. It happens all the time. And they're like, is there a problem? Because remember he goes, if there's a problem, just blink one time. And you're staring as the oh! viewer like, just blink. Yeah. And she didn't blink. Oh. What would you do? Fucking blink. Me? Shit. <laughs> Sorry, Linda. Uh-huh. Right? Dude, you know. Mm. It's horrifying. Okay. You would think that everyone would do it. Yeah, but then I'm like wondering what, because of this fear of authority figures, but then it's like, who am I going to see as the authority figure? Like what in that I moment? Know. Will I see the who man with trust? the gun as the authority figure who I have to follow the rules of? Or am I going to see the police as the authority figure in that situation who are here to help me? Like weird. God, I hope I never have to do that. Right. right. It's a rare occurrence, <laughs> thankfully. But let's be prepped. Right. But you think, like, I would do this, oh, but then sure. maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Uh, changing the subject, but back onto weird and wacky. Yep. Did you see the new trend in swimwear? This is not mm. an ad. Okay. No. Duct tape. Like, just duct tape? Just duct tape in it. That seems like one of two things. <laughs> Horrible removal or very cheap waxing services. <laughs> right. This could go either way. Yeah. Right. These uh, I mean, as long women, as you don't mind losing your first layer of skin as well as all the hair. Right, because they what walk the, the they runway. Thinking? They're walking the runway wearing these duct tape bathing suits, and I'm using that term very loosely. Is the other side sticky? Or what is it just mean? made out of duct tape? I believe that they took duct tape and oh, stuck it sakes. on their parts. And made these like really whatever you'd call that. Oh my god. Swimwear. One of my favorite TV shows that really everybody who's a challenge fan should watch because it scratches every single itch is King of the Road on Viceland, which is a skateboarding competition that Transworld Skateboarding does where they take different teams like uh, professional skateboard teams like Birdhouse and Zero and all those guys and they like have their little skate team and they have a book of challenges that they have to do and okay now remind me of why I'm talking about this because I got (laughs) so excited. Oh right yes (laughs) so one of the challenges is they have to go into it's either like go into a oh no go they have to go get a hotel room dressed only in skateboard stickers. 
like, oh my god, cover themselves in like make clothes out of skateboard stickers and then go try to get a hotel room for the night no. for their team. And like, that's harder for Harry, like if, if you're a man, and it's all hilarious. I mean, it's like so funny, but I'm thinking that the same thing that's walking down runways, yeah, are what teenage boys are doing on skate <laughs> tours in the back of vans as practical jokes. Like, on one hand, these women look super sexy, I'm not saying they don't, yeah, but, but I'm like, just thinking, like. Their either their vagina is not like mine, right? Or, oh, that makes that's making my vagina hurt. Just right, thinking like, about ju- that removal. Just, yeah, like if you pulled it. Oh, okay. That is Think about thin, it. sensitive skin. Right, and some of us have more flaps than others. Is this going <laughs> up the? What kind of coverage are we talking you on know the what? bum? I, that's a good question. They were all front facing in the pictures I saw. Yeah, what's the butt look like? If it's like an up the bum situation, like are we talking thong? Or Can we you imagine how cheek? bad that would hurt Dude, your butthole? So bad. It's making my butthole tighten up as we speak. <laughs> it's making every part of down there tighten up as we speak. Right. I mean, this to me sounds like a bad day. I mean, I gotta look up these pictures. Yeah, now. yeah. Look at how them. can I not? I'm I like do so appreciate to that Google. they like have different shapes. Mm. And styles available, <laughs> but what? Who's okay. selling these anyway? Like, okay. and don't you hate when okay. they just are trying to get clicks, and then they call it a trend? It's like that's not a trend. That's just people walking down a runway. Yeah, nobody's gonna really do this, right? Okay, okay. Oh God, we they- run out <laughs> of stuff. Where's? Do they show the butts? Mm-hmm. Sarah. Duct tape bikinis. Have mm-hmm. we just found the craziest bathing suit trend ever? Is that what it says? And it involves duct tape. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of them looks kind of cool. See? They're not all bad. They're not all bad. But they would but hurt like, your flat. Here's bad. the thing is that I don't want this to be presented to me as a fashion piece. What do you want? I need to it to be presented as a, an art piece. Like, to me, this looks more like art. And like, yeah, good point. Then something that's consume like I'm going to as a consumer go out and purchase. Like the idea yeah, that there this is, is more of an exhibition. And it says gold body tape now available with worldwide shipping. Order your own. Order your own black tape project body tape. Well, blah, maybe blah, blah. the body tape doesn't hurt as I bad mean, as duct tape. Look how cool tape. that looks. That is beautiful. I know. Maybe body tape is designed to be removed easily. Yeah. Like if you put it underwater or something. Okay, Wait, it but was on Miami be... Swim Lake. Stick on bathing suits. Okay, yeah, I'm not. I can't get down with that. <laughs> and also, like the idea. Okay, have you ever worn a waterproof bathing or waterproof bandaid where you're like, "Yep, this did the job." <laughs> I really don't think that the swimming is going to happen. Like, there, you're going to take. You're going to tell me to go into a body of water, right? Designed to make sticky things not sticky. <laughs> With a bathing suit made out of that. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to but me. But if they look like those models, I mean, they oh should just be God. naked. We'd all be fine They with should it. just be naked. Yeah, it's I'm fine. looking at these. And you know what? It looks like a bathing. It looks like... Wow. This just in. Don't wear sticky shit in the water. <laughs> and also, regular bathing suits are just fine. Right. If it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Right. It's not like the 20s when they were wool. Wow. We need to see some butts. Oh, I saw a butt. Okay. <laughs> uh, ask and you shall receive. Look I mean, at that. <gasps> it is a thong. Okay. Well, that but looks easier to- lined up. That's not the same as duct tape, what you just showed me. Which, yeah. that would probably not hurt. I mean, is this what you saw? 
Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. body tape, but yowzer. Right? And My also, vagina I can see nothing. her entire vagina. Let me see. I can see all the folds. Just, oh. I zoomed in for you. <gasps> wow. It's you nice really and tucked can. in. Beautiful. You know what? Beautiful. Nothing wrong Good with on it. Ya. Don't cover it, lady. Yeah. Just That's like, your first mistake. Just let it all hang out. Yeah, they got they got real toit vaginas. <laughs> Uh, also another bad transition, but uh-huh. have you received your Grove shipment? Oh, not yet. I just ordered it. Really? Yeah. Oh my God, Sarah. When well, it I comes, ju- you're going to die. I know. But you know why? Because it has all of my favorite things, cleaning stuff Yep. and non-toxic stuff and good for the house. It's amazing. Grove, here's the situation. Mm-hmm. They, as you said, believe healthy, beautiful homes should be accessible to everyone and they make it really easy to get products you can feel good about in your home and in, with your family. It's so easy. Um, here's the deal. Like, they have a bunch of different brands, Mrs. Myers, Method, 7th yes. Generation, all those, all of your favorites. Oh, Mrs. Myers. And uh, they, well, my box came and it was just like filled with all these amazing cleaning products that I already use. Yeah. And you're in control. You can customize the auto shipments. So, like... You don't have to worry about running out of all these cleaning products and all the things you use all the time in your house. They give you reminders so you don't run out of that stuff, and you can change your account anytime. Find out how committed Grove is to its customers with 100% happiness guarantee and free shipping. It's so easy to discover amazing and affordable natural home and personal care products with the confidence of supporting a safer environment for your family. Right now, our listeners can try Grove with a two-month VIP membership and bonus gift by going to grove.co slash brain candy. That's grove.co slash brain candy, not grove.com. Grove makes it easy to have a happy, healthy home. Really nice products. Yeah, that's a great deal. It's a great deal, and it's a great service, and I love it. And you know what I hate doing? I hate doing the... Will you go to the grocery store to get those stuff that we need? No, you go. <laughs> well, I bet you do because you live like a million so miles long. from the grocery store. Yeah, so it's just like to if get we forget of- toilet, if we haven't bought toilet paper, well, guess what? Nobody's wiping their bum. We need a family Hold cloth. Put some duct tape on there. Yeah. <laughs> Problem solved. Family cloth. Um, <sighs> we have a guest today. Oh. And I am so stoked about this author. Allie Robottom is her name, and she wrote a book called. Jello Girls. Mm-hmm. It's also my August book club pick. Oh, nice. And it's a memoir. And she is an heir to the Jello fortune. Get out of town. I can't wait. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so good. And the book is phenomenal. Here's why. That's my new thing. We have this thing in my family where Adam will always say something and he'll be like, He'll say something outrageous, but then he'll go, here's why. And I'm all ears. Like, let me hear it. Um, But so she is a PhD and she writes like you wouldn't believe and somehow manages to tell her family story, which deals with um, a lot of issues with women in the family and how what it's like to be in a family where all the men are like too stressed about their fortune and their business and the women are like bored and don't know what to do with themselves. But then she also unpacks the way that Jell-O advertised to women, body image, how they... This is everything you love. Everything I love. And they talk about the way that Jell-O... 
handled like relationships. I mean, Bill Cosby was their oh my god spokesperson, right. and then how it affected her individually, but also like where it fits into the cultural dude. It's Dude, amazing. This is super cool. So cool. And so this interview that you're about to hear is really just me being like, I love you. I love you. You're awesome. You're awesome. But it's because her book is tremendous and you should read it. This is great. So I can't wait. Welcome to the show, Allie Rowbottom, author of Jello Girls. Please read it whether you're in our book club or not. It is such a great book and a really compelling read. I am dying to know what she has in the trunk of her car. <laughs> you will find out. Uh, welcome to the show, Allie Rowbottom. First of all, thank you so much for coming on the show, but more importantly, congratulations on your freaking great book. Thank you. I'm really excited. It um, It's kind of a surreal experience. It's yes, tell me what it's like. I can't imagine. Tell me. I mean, a lot of people, and I've, I've not had children, but a lot of people are equating it to, a lot of people who have done this before are equating it to... Yeah. Having a child and then watching it grow up and leave you, um, <laughs> which is, seems like an apt comparison to me. Um, it's like I spent so long in the world of this book and now I've sort of taken a step back and I'm watching other people experience it, which is like both rewarding and sort of bittersweet. Like it's it's no longer mine anymore. It belongs to the world and that feels both sad and freeing yes yeah even i noticed on the back of the book it called the book i'm looking for it now oh yeah jello girls is the liberation of that story and i thought oh that's a good way to put it it's being freed out into the world yeah it does feel that way and like i think for me as a writer it was the first story that i really like had to write i had to write it to get it out of the way so that i could tell other stories so For me, it does feel like a liberation. Like, oh, I can do other things now. Well, and if we are comparing it to a child, at least your child is a successful one. Like, this isn't even a dud. Like, you created this masterpiece. This is what we hope for our children. So, I'm thank one, you so I, much. Like, I'm watching as all these reviews come in, and I'm thinking, what what must it feel like to get such a positive response when it's about something so personal? Um. It feels so good. Um, it feels like the stakes are extra high. Like yeah. one thing that I've noticed, and I think that this is like honestly something for me to work on and be really mindful about as this process of pre-publication and then like the book actually moving out into the world uh, unfolds is that it's, it's really easy to get sort of caught up in the blur of it all mm-hmm. and the sort of like internet like likey stuff and <laughs> and what list you get on and what list you don't and it, it's um you know it it's like anything it gets really burdensome on the psyche um and i i also think that i mean like for example honestly so much of the the hubbub so far takes place online, which feels like this alternate world. <laughs> and then I'll step outside and into the real world, and it's so refreshing. Really, like, one of the happiest moments I've had in the past couple of weeks is just going into my neighborhood bookstore and looking around at all the books that are on the table and thinking, like, wow, my book's going to be on that table, <laughs> I hope. That has it felt so real in that moment and so rewarding. 
I mean, it must be really special. And I think about the, I was so impressed with how you're telling obviously this very personal story of uh, a family history, um, but you do so with an amazing ability to create context that I wouldn't be able to do with my own personal narrative. Like I, I you, cause you intertwined feminism and um, consumerism and all of these big cultural elements into your own family history. How the heck did you do that? <laughs> I want to know. It took me so long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is, is like the book, it had to teach me how to write it. And it took, mm. you know, maybe four years for me to really understand what it was trying to tell me to do. Um, and I think that's because I, I approached it with so much ambition. Like I wanted to talk about, I couldn't quite articulate it, but I wanted to talk about feminism and I wanted to talk about my personal story and my mother's story and my grandmother's story. But I also wanted to talk about the story of where we specifically come from and, and the girls of Leroy and this sort of like larger question of, of illness and its origins um, and how illness is gendered and, and how were that it's then treated. Um, so at first I just started by writing my mom's story hmm. and then mine and struggled to sort of dreamily interweave a lot of that uh, material about feminism and jello and the girls and then got stuck and <laughs> sat around with it for quite a while until I eventually decided that I needed to impose upon it a more traditional structure mm. um, in order to just get all the information in there in a clear and cogent way. And that was a real good learning experience for me because I think prior to that, I had really tended towards more of a sort of, for lack of a better word, experimental structure with my mm. writing. And, and this book showed me that I could use a traditional or quote unquote, for lack of a better word, traditional structure to experiment in other ways. Wow. So that's a sort of a rambling answer to your question, but it took me <laughs> a really long time to figure out how to get everything in there that I wanted to. And I'm happy to say that at this point, I really can't think of anything that I wanted to include mm. that I didn't get in. Well, it doesn't feel labored or as if, you know, you just put pieces together. Ran. I mean, it feels so poetic and beautiful. And I'd be like reading along and then be like, how did she do that? Where I would feel almost as the reader tricked into thinking, oh, this is just a, a, about family. And then next thing I know, I'm reading about freaking Bill Cosby and seeing how, you know, marketing and the way um, advertising talks about women and daughters and mothers that I was like, this is a, a genius. And I friggin' love it when it's a, a woman genius <laughs> who's doing it. Um, and at one point in the book, the, there's a question that's asked where it says, how does Jello make women silent? And the answer is by convincing us we real, uh, we're less powerful than we really are. And I was wondering as if, writing the story made it was empowering for you or if you just felt bogged down by the whole, by the whole process <laughs> um first of all thank you i certainly do not feel like a genius in my everyday life i think like 
um, it's probably really common for writers, but I, I like, I feel like I'm sort of one semblance of myself on the page and when I'm writing and like a totally different person in the real world. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I think that that convincing of, of women that we're less powerful than we are is so endemic to the culture in general. Mm. It, it like, of course it's, it's part and parcel of Jell-O's legacy, but it's, it's capitalism really. Um, I did find this process empowering. At times, it was so emotionally draining, which I'm sure, you know, readers yeah. can imagine. And, and a lot of memoirists say it, it's just to go back into the past and, like, dig it up. It, yeah. It's easy to forget that you live in a different, in a present that doesn't sort of have ties or has ties to that, but is not that reality anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say that as a writer, finishing and having the book sell was so empowering. Um, and then secondarily, it was so rewarding given that this was my mom's dream yes, really was yeah. to have her story out there. I, it would be interesting if she were alive. What do you think <laughs> and she'd I had say? Written this book. <laughs> I think she would be really happy. Yeah. And I think she would just have like a tiny, like the tiniest little... <laughs> tinge of like oh but I I tried so hard to write that book <laughs> well it was a team effort though yes absolutely. absolutely I mean I feel like the reader can see that the way the way that she is present in your writing and the research that she did I'm sure was so helpful to you because she seemed like she was on a mission yes yeah I mean I could not have written I just wouldn't have access to so much of her childhood and, and young adulthood without her having left me her memoir. Um, and then also just <laughs> the hours of conversation about feminism and, and the girls. I mean, I could trace it further back. She really like started my career as a, a feminist very early in my life. Oh, for, I really love that. That's so exciting, though, that you can then use what she taught you in, in a way that will now have an impact on so many people because the book is exceptional. I'm sure you're sick of, like, maybe it, does, it doesn't even absorb into you, but I can't say enough. This isn't even an interview. This is just me telling you you're awesome, <laughs> but I don't care. Thank I, you so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, I will ask some questions. Hold on. Okay, so <laughs> have has there been a conversation with the corporation, the Jello, whoever people? Do they say anything about this, or are they silent? No, I mean, I no. <laughs> um, I I would expect them to stay fairly silent. Um, yeah. It's funny because, like, when I. You know, after the publisher bought the book, um, there's like a, a legal read that gets done. So I talked mm -hmm. with a lawyer about, you know, like potentially yeah. problematic, you know, sentences even. And um, she was just like, yeah, I highly doubt that Jell is going to say anything about this. But like, there's really nothing that they could quibble with in the text. It, but it, it's so interesting. It seems to me from everything that I've read and researched that the company now um, which is owned by Kraft, is just, it's really private. Mm. It, um, for example, they have a plant in Dover, Delaware, where they do most of their processing. And it's like 
top secret. Like <laughs> oh, journalists God, can't so get weird. in. Yeah, and I think it's they say it's because they're like manufacturing process is proprietary. Um, Come on. I I don't know. It's like I think it's because it's kind of grotesque. I mean, they're like mm-hmm. in their boiling skins. So um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they say. If anything, yeah, maybe nothing. And then then you have uh, you know your family you spoke about, and there are people that are still alive that you wrote about. Were you feeling nervous about that, or did they have any comments? Um, yes, nervous, but not about, I've had a couple interesting experiences and one person that I'm a little bit nervous about. Um, so most of the people who are still alive who are in the book, like secondary characters, not to call them characters, but like Judy, who is my mom's best friend, um, is just so excited and she's read it. I gave the book to my dad to read when it was in sort of a copy editing phase. Um, and he freaked out which I was kind of expecting. Um, but we ended up sort of going over the areas that he was upset by and, and just having long conversations about it. And that was somewhat healing, I, I guess, for us both. And yeah. we ended up doing it a couple times, though. Um, and then my mom's brother, who I changed his name in the book, but they had a really difficult relationship. And I'm a little bit worried about that. I don't. I just think it's always hard when his version of what happened would read really differently. And I think he hasn't written it, but if he did, it would just be a completely different story. Um, So I'm sure it will be challenging for him to read somebody else's version of the story. Um, Mm. But I guess I would encourage, you know, any families that are in this situation, like to write multiple memoirs then. Yeah. Well, I always think about it. Of course, each reader does through their own lens. And my co-host and I were both on reality TV. And I always think about how I happened to be a character on the show that was, you know, very pure. And I always think about the people that are on TV that do naughty things and uh, imagine like what their folks might say. And maybe it's better that you had the opportunity beforehand to be like, here's kind of the gist of what I'm going to say and get feedback and maybe unpack it a bit. And it could even help your relationship. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think I actually um, wound up writing an essay about my dad's relationship or my dad's reaction to the book. (laughs) Um, But it was really interesting because I remember like, decades ago almost now, um, when I first started to go into therapy, my mom saying when one person in a family gets help and decides to change, then the entire family has to change or it's an opportunity for the entire family to change. And she and I did a lot of work on our relationship at that time, but my dad and I never did. And um, I sort of thought of, it's. it turned out that him reading my book and understanding how my life had sort of been, uh, was an opportunity for him to do some, some soul searching and and healing himself. Like he got into therapy. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. That's big time. Anytime like a parent does that, I always think that's such a huge (laughs) success. Um, whenever you've spoken to people about the book in these interviews, do people focus on the things you expect them to, or is it different than you thought? 
Um, well, you're only my second interview, which is <gasps> what? a great honor. Um, <laughs> I'm just starting to, like, talk more, I guess, publicly about the book. Yeah. I, I think... I've been surprised and and pleasantly so by how much people sort of focus on the the like craft of craft yeah. questions mm-hmm. <laughs> questions for me as a writer, which is really nice because one of my like fears and probably just a little bit irrational, which I think happens with any big situation like this, but like one of my big fears was that um, the publisher would sort of sell it like Jello Air tells all, which. <laughs> Um, it's definitely not how I've thought about myself, um, both as just a person and a writer, but I've, so I've been surprised by how much that hasn't happened, I guess, and how much people are just actually interested in how I, I wrote the book, um, which is nice because well, I, I did a lot of studying about how to be a writer. Yeah. So it's nice to, to answer those questions. Yeah, doctor. I mean, please. I, <laughs> you, you did your homework. Um, but I think that's a testament, though, to the way that you wrote about things that many of us deal with, like body image and um, relationships and things like that that aren't specific to being an heir or being a part of a famous family. And so that way we all could read and be like, I get this. And then you on top of that had this bizarre family history (laughs) related to a huge business that we all consumed. And that's a weird thing, man. Yeah. You know, it's interesting too, how many people have like funny and bizarre family lore and history (laughs) Um, maybe not as crazy as Jello, but I keep hearing people's amazing ancestral, you know, backgrounds. Um, and I'm sure they're telling think, you like without you even asking now. Yeah, <laughs> that and like favorite childhood Jello recipes, which I love to hear. Oh my um, god, that's great! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite it's quite funny and unique. Well, I think like with the body image stuff. And, and just sort of the experience of being an embodied person in the world. It's like incredible how many things we feel such personal and deep shame about that are, you know, other people are walking around feeling too. Yes. Um, so, and I always find that, you know, reading work that addresses that is so relieving. Um, because, you know, even as I write about this stuff, like, I still struggle. We all, you know, many yeah. of us do, so. Well, and, like, when you would describe specific Jello advertisements and commercials um, that I remembered from my own life, and I had never thought about them. I had never thought about the way that they maybe promoted a certain um, low-calorie lifestyle or, you know, whatever. And I thought it's probably it would probably shock all of us to think about all the messages we receive without realizing it and the way that they affect our own behavior in in subtle ways that we never think about. And I thought you did such a great job of bringing attention to that, but how weird it must've been given that this was your family's um, company (laughs) essentially. (laughs) Yeah. Like when you think about the purchase of that company and how that's what we all dream about. That's what Shark Tank's all about and these shows where it's like <laughs> the ultimate dream. And then when you 
wrote about how your family, some of the members saw it as a curse. Do you, when you would think about the curse, did you think it was a real thing or just an idea? I thought it was an idea. Yeah. Um, I think even my, uh, like, I think my mom sort of thought of it as an idea or sort of a misguided idea as well that like she then discovered she spent so much time trying to figure out what this idea really was and then landed on the concept of it being, you know, larger than her family and and larger than any one family, but specific to culture, I guess, and and this sort of patriarchy that's specific to American culture. I, yeah, I didn't buy it. I always thought it, it seemed, a couple people have asked me what I would make of the criticism of sort of first world problems, the idea of Mm. great wealth as a curse. And I, I've just said like, oh, I never really, I never really bought that great wealth was a curse. I think, I think it's, it's patriarchy in my book. Mm. That's the curse. Well, and if, if anything can put um, a magnifying glass on that, it's extreme wealth because then you're not worried about how you're going to pay the bills. You can see all the other <laughs> systemic problems that sure. surround us. So that was fascinating. And there's a million other components in the book that I would love to explore and I'm going to with our listeners because we're going to have this as our book club pick. So I can't wait to talk to them about it. Um, yeah, but I have one question I ask everybody at the end, which is, um, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? If you have a car? Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) I have a car and it's a mess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so right now I'm sort of in the process of moving or have moved, but there's a lot of stuff still sort of stored in my car and in the trunk of my car. Um, there is a series of, um, old (laughs) outfits that I wore to show my horse when I was a child. So I have a pair of tall boots. Um, I have a silk top hat, a hunt cap. And this is the um, weirdest trunk ever. (laughs) A bunch of other like horse related items. Yeah. Wait a minute. So when you would show the horse, you would <laughs> you would be required to wear these get-ups? Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm writing about horses in my second book, uh, <laughs> but I still have, I still own the horse that I had as a child and, and showed wow. through my adolescence. Yeah, um, and he's geriatric, so he's kind of like... <laughs> Um, my like old parent. Um, so I just moved him to California where my husband and I just moved and, um, there's nowhere to store like a lot of my old junk and I, I haven't really gotten rid of it cause it's sentimental, but also I want to pass it on to someone who really needs it and not just dump it at goodwill. Cause I don't see what's going to happen with it there. So I'm just hanging on to it. It's in the trunk. <laughs> It'll find a home along the way. Yeah. What, yeah I just hope so. incidentally, though, did you say a top hat? Yeah, yeah. At night, when you show like in a championship class at night, you wear a top hat. What? In the specific. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a super tall top hat, it's a short one. Oh, right. Okay. They're very, it's very silly. Does it have a strap? So uh, it doesn't no. fall it's off? It's just like. 
No, it doesn't. I mean, sometimes it does, but uh, it's rare. What you do is you take like Aquanet and you spray it around the inside of the hat and then stick it on your head and it sticks to your head. I am learning so much from you again, (laughs) all over again. I am a forever fan and I really am inspired by what a badass you are. So thank you for a beautiful Uh, book and for opening up your life to everybody. Thank you so much for reading and and for featuring and for talking to me. And thanks for coming on the Brain Candy Podcast. Hi, you're so welcome. 